0: Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai weisel Labrizzi. I'm
1: Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris Delano.
0: I'm very tired. Uh, we have a couple pieces of news to start this episode today. The first is that uh, the Japanese Magic the Gathering team has created a manga of the Kaldheim story, which is really awesome. We will uh, link to that on our Twitter page. And uh, through Spotify and, you know, back down where all our regular story links are. And uh, you should go check it out because it's neat. It's obviously just the same story we had in Time, uh, in just truncated a bit to fit into uh, like a one page uh, manga. And I, I think that's neat.
1: It's really not that truncated. The story of Kaldheim uh, was pretty short. I realize after looking at the manga and be like, "Oh yeah, no, here's all the here's all the story points." <laughs> it's only like six pages or something. I don't know. It's very short. I don't read Japanese though, so I can't really appreciate how it was uh, abbreviated.
0: Uh, you know what else is really short?
1: Uh, Tyvar. Like
0: Tyvar. Cal. I'm not really short. Sure. I'm like average height. I'm five seven.
1: I'm short. I think everyone is short that uh, on this podcast except for like me and Carrie. Um, but anyways, uh, there's other news that came out there, as in like other things that have happened in the magic world. Uh, today on Daily MTG, they played the Strixhaven Commander Dex pre so there's really not a lot of things to talk about there or I guess weekly MTG. But a cool thing came out today on YouTube. It's the Great Strixhaven College Clash Episode 1, which is like a little mini series they're doing where some comedians and stuff are like participating in a game show about magic. It's very fun. I thought it was very cute. <laughs> it's all these like actors, actresses, comedians who know nothing about magic. Uh, and they're being coached by magic personalities. So like uh LSV, Gabby, Sparts, um, stuff like that uh, to like pass rudimentary quizzes. I think next episode they're going to play magic um but it was really cute it's hosted by uh sue perkins she's one of the the hosts of it so that's like a really big name
0: how much does she swear
1: uh none this is very family friendly it's very cute though i i enjoyed it and i will definitely be watching the other episodes just because i don't know it's fun
0: yeah fun little things like that are fun uh we will also link to that on all our social media shenanigans and by shenanigans i mean like the posts we do to promote the episode which is i guess one big shenanigan <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like a weekly shenanigan it's really the only shenanigan our twitter account gets up to yeah uh, but what are we talking about this week What are, what is everyone feeling about talking about this week huh? i don't
0: know i'm tired i'm going to bed all right good night uh we're on week four of strict story so we have uh the fourth main story, Put to the Test, and the fourth side story, the Zamone story, titled Blue-Green Ribbons. Uh, so we are just gonna go right in with episode four. Uh, we we left off episode three with uh, Luca and Extus beginning the evil plan, invading Strixhaven's campus with the Mage Hunters. And that's where we pick up. Will is roused from a dream in his dorm room. And, uh, oh no, Panic! The oric are attacking. There's mage hunters everywhere, and so so he's he's running around trying to survive. And uh, then we cut to Rowan, who's got her sword out. She's being all knightly and uh, valorous. Uh, She's with her Witherbloom friends, and they're fighting. Her thoughts turn to Will, because you know the the last time something really bad went down in her life, uh, you know it was a big fight for them, and it was a big bonding moment. Uh, And she's like, "Where would Will go?" And she was like, obviously the library. Oh, but you know what? You know what else is (laughs) also in the biblioplex? The Strixhaven snarl. And she likes power.
1: I don't think she knows about the snarl at this point. She just knows that there's a lot of power there.
0: Yeah. It's not specifically, oh, the snarl. It's, oh, there is access to a lot of power at the library. Mm -hmm. But we know that it's the snarl. Um, Unless you didn't read the planeswalkers guide or look at any of the cards in which case <laughs> welcome to strict <Strixhaven. laughs>
1: you're a little late this is episode four of the story you should
2: probably go back a few yeah you, you never know when people introduce to a, a podcast so they might this might be their first time listening
0: now so, pe- they- people start at episode one which is awkward because those are pre-transition episodes. Anyway, uh, Liliana is also fighting the Mage Hunters with the Quandrix uh, and they're like, we'll watch over the students, and uh, she takes notice of uh, a a weird dude who has, like, a chompy, insectile jaw on his face, Uh, and she reckons, well, that's probably the guy controlling them, and she goes to blast Luca with some death magic, but a Mage Hunter jumps in the way and gets killed instead.
1: There's a really cute moment, um, I, I want to say cute, but it was fun, uh, where she's like, oh, look, that guy seems to be controlling all these monsters. And Dean Kayan uh, is like, all of them? I've never seen magic like that before. And Liliana says, there's always a spell, which is funny because that was
0: what uh...
2: yep. we'll say. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Repeated line. Yeah. She's never seen that magic because it doesn't exist on Arcavios. Liliana realizes uh you know because she's been around uh, she realizes this is a diversion she knows she's been you know following auric activity since she's been on uh and uh this isn't the goal uh and she realizes oh no something bad is happening with Extus and um she takes off and we come back to Will who's uh you know desperately using his cryomancy to uh survive against the mage hunters uh and is uh, very quickly puts up an ice shield which uh saves his life from the dragon fire that bathes the area because the founder dragons have showed up uh they don't come back to school often and they are here now to uh help defend the campus uh and then we cut over to Rowan who uh Finds Will on the way to the Biblioplex, uh, and who do they run into but Professor Onyx. Um, I wonder what she's doing here. And she's like, well, if I was a responsible professor, I'd probably try to get you to safety. But lol, we're not doing that. I need your help, which I think is funny. Uh, So she shows them a secret maintenance passage that she suspects the Auric have been using to infiltrate the campus for potentially years now. Uh, that only she knew as a student and was pretty sure none of the professors knew about and it leads right to the biblioplex
1: yeah there's a uh an exchange as they're getting into the tunnel where will says uh they let students down here and they just rowan and onyx just both stare at him like are you serious <laughs> and he's like oh no no i guess not he's a good boy then there's also a moment where Professor Onyx is like, uh, she says that you two are hardly the most likely heroes in all this, but I suppose I'm not one to talk. Just referencing, uh, she's she's been an unlikely hero a couple of times, actually.
0: Yeah, and Will, get, Will gets confused by that statement, because he wasn't a planeswalker before War of the <laughs> Spark. He uh, doesn't know the history of Liliana Vest. She's just this weird professor who, for some reason, is going to get them into trouble. And uh, then we cut to Extus, who is in the Biblioplex. And if you remember all the way back at the very first moment of the Strixhaven story, um, there was an Auric member named Taver who was looking for a book, who encountered Liliana and then disappeared. Taver, back in the Biblioplex, finally finds the book that Extus was looking for, gives it to Extus, and suddenly they hear a noise and turn and see an injured student conjuring up some magic and to blast at Extus and Extus grabs Taver, says, uh you know, I after saying Taver will be rewarded for uh their service to the Oric, uh, spins Taver in front of the spell, and Taver falls to the ground dead, and then Extus murders a child. Uh, uh yeah, that's not surprising though, is it? Or a young adult. Okay, yeah, I guess it they're a college student, but they're... A young... Yeah. Still. Still. Because he's the bad guy, in case you didn't know that yet.
1: It's really funny, because the only other time we've really seen Taver, he, like, remarks about how he doesn't want to
0: die for Extus, Yeah!
2: Uh, yep. <laughs> and then, then he does. Then Exus is like, God, <laughs>
0: Uh Taver's just this, like, bumbling little henchman uh who gets used by the big bad. It's very classic villain archetype stuff which is enjoyable for me in this set um i think it fits the tone of this set very well and so traveling through the uh the tunnel not much happens in this conversation but roan is very gung-ho about fighting and will is very hesitant and they have to cross a rickety bridge that they almost fall down but uh finally do make it to the biblioplex but Deep in the Hall of Oracles, where the Strixhaven snarl is, uh, the Auric Beginner Ritual. All the members in a circle, each with a tome, Exodus with his tome, and they begin the arcane magic. And then Liliana and Rowan and Will burst in, and they start, you know, Liliana's like, Wow, I hardly have to kill anyone because Rowan and will are working in tandem, Rowan blasting mages with lightning while uh will encases them in a dome of ice as they fall to the ground and they are like very quickly dispatching a bunch of auric agents. Rowan gets a little over aggressive in uh an One of the Auric uh, grabs onto her and is about to kill her. But uh, Liliana uh, senses that small flame of life inside the Auric agent and snuffs it out. And then gets blasted by a spell coming from Extus himself. And Liliana's like, wow, that was a hell of a hit. How am I still alive? That's amazing. And then she gets up off the ground and looks around her and finds herself in the middle of the wilderness. Uh, She got
1: sent to detention.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She's in like the opposite direction of the detention bog, but she is teleported out of the hall and off of campus entirely. So she is kind of taken out of this fight in one swift blow. Rowan, being Rowan, says, The answer to this is obviously more lightning and conjures a huge blast right at Extus, who easily negates her spell. And then she realizes, I'm going to need more power to defeat someone bound to the snarl. And if being bound to the snarl gives him so much power, why can't I do that?
2: Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. (laughs)
0: Uh, And yeah, and then Will is like, Rowan, no, you can't do that. That's a, this is a bad idea. Uh, and then it doesn't matter because Exus throws a spell at them. And despite Will throwing up an ice shield, they get knocked to the ground. Um, then realize that they're covered in blood. Blood is seeping into their clothes, into their boots. And Rowan freaks out because she thinks it's Will's for a sec. And then she looks around and sees blood just filling the room, dripping from the now ruby red snarl. Exus has begun summoning the blood avatar. Dun 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 Casp. And that's our cliffhanger ending for episode four. Next time on Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, that that that's honestly kinda how this episode felt to me. It's it's a little setting up for the thing that happens while while, happy, while having very little actually happen in it. But we get like some good little exchanges between Liliana and the twins, I think, that made it enjoyable.
1: There's a lot of cool fight scenes, too. Yeah. Let's not not sell that short. Like, the the fights are really cool in this story. Like, they are all using their magic, and you get to sort of see, like, Liliana doing her thing, and Will and Rowan doing theirs, and you get to see the Deans using their magic a little bit, which I thought was fun. So, yeah. I thought it was really cool. I liked it a lot. Even though it's, like, a little cliffhanger episode, I I was into it. I agree.
2: Like, it was a very nice story. I liked the combat, but, you know i was i was expecting a little bit more in the xs fight but we're getting that next week so we'll see
0: yeah they saved that whole sequence all for the finale it is uh gonna be a story
1: it is story spotlight five of five except they don't number them anymore and also there's like 30 every set
0: um (laughs) uh no there is like 15 or something how story spotlights are being handled internally has uh, shifted. So, uh, you may have noticed things being different on the card end of things. But anyway, we have another story to talk about.
1: We do. We have the story Blue Green Ribbons, which is Zamone's uh, character story, her side story. I really like this one. I read it earlier. Uh, really fun story about Zamone, and you get to learn a lot about her. So, um,
2: this one hit me right in the feels.
1: It's okay. It's really, really good. The writing is really good on it. Like if I had to suggest one story so far to read, um, it would be this one. And then Ruth, this one probably right after it. I think all of them are great, but like these two are like, th- those two stories are just excellent creations. Anyways, it starts off with Simone, who we know as our Quandrix uh, student. She is in her end of her first year. Uh, she's at like a cafe having a little fizzy drink and she's counting the bubbles uh, as she, she drinks uh, and she's counting them in the Fibonacci sequence, which is interesting. Um, The Fibonacci sequence, if you were unaware is like a big thing and I'm not going to explain all of it, but essentially it's a number you start with one. uh, And then the next number in the sequence is the previous two numbers added together. So one, one, two, three, five, and she's counting the bubbles and then her friends show up and she's got like these two other first year friends um, they just attended like a recruiting ceremony where like all of the deans put on a show, I guess, to try and convince first years to join their college. Zimone um, skipped out on that. She didn't really have any interest in it because she has already decided on Quandrix. She's not doing anything else. Uh, her other two friends are going Prismari and Quill, which is like a little concerning because Zimone Simone is uh, 14. She is very young. Actually, in fact, she turned 14 two weeks ago, we find out in the story. Um, and she's, so she's very young, and now her, like, two friends at the school are about to go to different colleges. So she's worried about kind of losing that connection. And then, like, the school mailman shows up, and he's a turtle. Yeah! Oh! <laughs> oh, oh! Yes! Um, <laughs> he's just a, he's a turtle person?
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the mailman man on campus is a, is a turtle folk, uh, which, uh, there are always more characters in, that exist, that Don't get legendary cards or uh, sometimes don't even end up in flavor text, but uh, exist and uh, sometimes show up in the story. Uh, So this is a character I was hoping would appear somewhere and and he did. And it's great. Yeah. No, I I just I just appreciate the, the very low hanging fruit joke of the mailman is really, really slow. That's adorable to me. Yes. I'm so happy about that.
1: To punctuate that, he's delivering her a package that arrived two weeks previously on her birthday. Um, And it's this mysterious package that doesn't have any return sender on it. Uh, And she gets it and she's like, what is this package? And she goes, oh, this is the same package I've received every year on my birthday for the past seven years. Um, so then we flash back seven years to when Simone turned seven, I guess. She's having this like she's going to bed, uh, and her her dads, I think there's two dads there, if I read it correctly, are putting her to bed and they're like checking and making sure because she's getting her first bedroom by herself in her whole life. And she lays down, to, you know, she's in her room and then she hears a tapping at the window as little seven-year-old Zamone goes and opens the window and finds a package uh, that has no you know, return address on it. And she opens it up and inside of it are eight green and blue striped ribbons and a note from her grandma saying to keep it private. Because uh, it turns out uh, her grandma had disappeared several years previously, I believe, uh, and was a professor at Strixhaven. Um, she had a series of incidents at the college that Zimone was made aware of and then just disappeared. So we we get back to um the, the modern day, and Zimone is sort of thinking about this package again. Her, her grandma had uh, sent her one every year since her seventh birthday, and each year had an increasing number of ribbons in the box. Um, so the first one she received had eight. The next one had 13. The following one had 20, which I'm pretty sure was supposed to be 21. The next year was 34, 55, 89, 144, 233. If you're seeing where this is going, it's the Fibonacci sequence again. Uh, she receives you know, a number of ribbons every year. Uh, this year is 377. And the note in this package says that it's the last time she's going to get a package because it's too hard to get them to her. And so the next thing she does is she starts plating the ribbons into a braid that she keeps under her pillow. So she has this long braid of these ribbons that she's been adding to every year. One thing to note about the story is that it's written in sort of this segmented fashion. It's it's like a very common thing that you see in writers who are coming out of Africa, um, which this author is Igbo. He um, They are in Africa. They're an African writer. Um, so it's something that you'll see a lot when you read stories from there. And so it's very segmented. And the next segment is taking place sometime later in the next year, uh, where Simone is in a theory class with Dean, uh, Imbraham. Um, this is her second year and they're talking about the Verzani conjecture, which is like this unsolved mathematical thing. That's very nebulous and mysterious, and they're talking and like the dean asks a question and Zamone answers, but then Zamone refuses to acknowledge that she was the one who answered the question. And then after class, the dean finds her and is like, Hey, you remind me of your grandmother. And Zamone's like, Cool. There's like a little moment in exchange with them. It's not really that important to the story. She goes to the class with Dean Kian and Dean Kian asks everyone to introduce themselves. And because Zamone was late, Zamone asks to introduce herself first. And she says, uh my name is Simone Wola. And the dean says, Is your name Simone Wola or are you Simone Wola? Young mages always struggle to embody who they are. At this point, Simone Wola is more than your name. It is now who you are. I like that line a lot. Some time passes. Another segment break. A few weeks later, Simone is continuing to study the Veronzi conjecture, uh, but the class that she was in dropped it because they couldn't solve it, which is apparently what happens every year in that class. So she goes to the library and she asks for a book, and that book was last checked out by her grandmother 14 years ago, so right before she uh, disappeared. Uh, Zimone finds a note in the book that was left by her grandmother, and the note reads, Packages of ribbons, numbers one step backward to go on forever. Living books that talk to you on the pathway of light. We cut to a nightmare that Zimone is having about her grandmother, uh, where she's trying to approach her, and it's very... It's a nightmare. Um, So it's just supposed to evoke these feelings of ruin and crumbling and things falling apart. Well, then later we cut forward again. And Dean Cayenne is having a meeting with Zimone in her office. And she reveals to her that uh, sort of like a slip of the tongue that the Oric are got a hold of her grandmother at some point in time before her grandmother disappeared. Which is news to Zimone. Zimone was not aware of that. No one told her.
2: Yeah, because her family is very hush-hush about her grandmother in general. And basically, whenever it was brought up, there was like, they were very adamant about not talking about her.
1: Yeah, there's like a side thing here where essentially her grandmother um, exhibits a lot of the traits that we would associate with dementia patients. And so it's like a very, if you are, if you have had someone in your family who's gone through dementia you would recognize it. Yeah. Dementia or like Alzheimer's type symptoms. Uh, so uh, later on, Zamone, who was sort of made aware of this by Kian, is uh, following the instructions from the note that she found in the book. Because like, if you read it closely, it becomes pretty clear. Living books that talk to you on the pathway of light. Well, there's a pathway of light at Strixhaven and their mascot is a living book. So Zemone uh, goes to that pathway of light and cody shows up who is you know the vociferous codex um and he tells her essentially what really happened with her grandmother uh cody says that uh Simone's grandmother solved the veronzi conjecture uh and was kidnapped by the Oric to gain control of that knowledge um but to stop them from getting the knowledge uh Simone's grandmother cast a memory loss spell on herself to hide it from them so Zimone's uh, like, all right, well, you're supposed to tell me how to solve the Vronzi conjecture. And Cody's like, ha no." Um, and He just walks away.
0: <laughs> Cody's a jerk.
1: Cody is uh, interesting. But uh, the next thing that Zimone does is uh, climbs the steps that are there and follows a pattern of stepping up and down the steps, uh, which is derivative of the Fibonacci sequence. Somehow, like, the power works with the ribbon braid that she made and creates this sort of, like, attuned power of the ribbon braid. And then the next thing she knows, uh, she gets startled by a sound and she thinks it's an auric agent. And she wheels around and hits her head on one of the light posts and gets knocked down. As you do. Very poor timing to to run into a pole. Um, but she wakes up later and she has definitely been kidnapped by the auric. Uh, Extus is there. He's all like, I've been watching you for so long. You have so much potential. Join us on the dark side. And we will rule the galaxy together as Extus and Zimone. Um, <laughs> Zimone is like clearly not interested in this. She she does not care at all about the Auric. She's not going to join them. But then luckily Dean Kean and her friends from earlier in the story show up. And they're there to save Zimone, who probably doesn't need their saving because... Kian goes to throw, like, a fireball of some kind at, uh, Extus, and then Zamone uses the power in the Ribbon Braid to stop the fireball, just stop it in its tracks, uh, and sort of just disperses everything and says, uh, I think we're done here, Extus, I think you were just gonna let me leave, and Extus is like, uh, I guess I should let you go, but we will meet again, uh, somewhere on the Death Star, too, before we fight. Anyways. (laughs) Zamone then leaves with her friends and Dean Kian. um, And we cut forward into the future a little bit, and this girl has a reputation now. uh, Kind of good and bad. Like, people think that she, you know, did something amazing, but they also think she might be an Auric recruit because they don't know what happened there. Like, the fight was very weird, and and Dean Kian and Dean Ibrahim are like, trying to figure out what happened there. What did you do with Extus? Why did you just stop a fireball in midair? She goes and we find out that, um. well, first of all, like the most sad thing is like her friends have started avoiding her, um, which is like the last thing that she wanted to happen when they went to different colleges. And now it's happening because of what happened with Extus. But Simone doesn't really care that much about it. Um, she actually uh, is at this place called the Sanctuary of the Lost, which is a safe haven for those who've been affected by magic. She got a note shortly after the encounter with Extus that told her to go there to find her grandmother. And she shows up and the attendant is like, oh, yes, um, she's not lucid today. On days when things make sense to her, she keeps talking about her granddaughter, the best mage in the whole world. This attendant leads Simone uh, through the, the sanctuary where she sees some people who are clearly kind of out of it. Uh, and she finds um, this elderly woman with long uh, gray uh, locks. And she comes up to her and she's like, hello, my name is Zamone Wola. And the old woman says, who are you? And Zamone says, your granddaughter. See, I have ribbons just like yours. You sent them to me. And so the grandmother pauses for a moment and she tries to to figure out who this person is um And why this name is so familiar, and she can't grasp it. And she says to her, "I don't know who you are, but I know you're someone I love." And that's how the story ends.
2: Not gonna lie, I almost broke down in tears when I read that last bit because uh, my grandmother has health, Alzheimer's, and she hasn't forgotten me, but she has forgotten my mom at times, and it's terrifying to me.
1: Yeah, my uh my nana who passed away last year. Um, she had a, a stroke. She she'd had been having some early signs of Alzheimer's, and then had a stroke. And from that point on, it was really hit or miss if she knew who you were. So I was, yeah. I that moment, I was like, I know, I know how that feeling is, Simone. It's a hard one, it really is. But the moments where you know there is some lucidity and they the they know who you are are really wonderful moments. Maybe Simone will get one of those and. Uh, her grandmother will recognize her.
2: Very good story. I I like the way it was told, and the the ending is always going to mean a little bit to me, but, you know, it's... (sighs) Very good story.
1: Yeah, it's, um, like I said, if you're going to read any of the Strixhaven stories, this is absolutely one of them that you should read.
0: I feel slightly bad, because I don't have any good, profound, emotional things to add to this. I I just have a really dated uh reference and uh chris won't explain the fibonacci sequence but if you want to know what it's all about uh go watch the uh old sci-fi miniseries called taken old started in 2002 to put perspective on what i am deeming old now it's a uh alien abduction themed miniseries uh a lot of x-files moods but it was a uh big career launcher for dakota fanning who has kind of already faded out of the spotlight as child actors tend to do in adulthood Well, wow, this all just makes me feel very old why did i <laughs> say these things <laughs> who uh, who else was in that god like nobody
2: no clue i never i've never heard of it before today so
0: it was on sci fi before it was SYFY. Back when they still named the channel SCI FI. God, that was a long time ago. Anton Yelchin was in it. Oh. Rest in peace. Yeah. He was great. I liked him. He was a good young actor.
1: Yep. Yeah, the Fibonacci sequence is really cool. I like the way that it was sort of weaved into the story it's really important in the sense of like i don't know if it's important but it's cool because it shows up in a lot of natural uh patterns and things like that and like fractals for example so it's uh it was cool to have that woven into the story
0: yeah if if you know uh the golden spiral that is uh based on the fibonacci sequence with ratios from one rectangle to the next uh it is seen in nature in uh things like nautilus shells and um Oh God! What's the weird, spiky, twisty fruit thing? Pineapple. No, hold on. It is seen
1: in pineapple as well. <laughs> it's uh, it's seen in pinecones, pineapple. It's all over the place.
0: Romanesco broccoli. There we go. <laughs>
1: oh my lord.
0: Uh, because everything is uh, Brassica oleracea,
1: mustard. Everything is mustard.
0: It is a form naturally approximating a fractal. It's like the Quandrix fruit. Well, it's not a fruit. It's a leaf. Anyway, point is Fibonacci sequence. Bam. Math in nature. Which is Quandrix's whole thing. Uh, And it was nice that it featured pretty prominently in this episode because that is extraordinarily appropriate. Um, You know, we have the card Golden Spiral in the set that is the Fibonacci sequence. Quandrix has fun little math things like that. Uh, if you think math is fun. I particularly don't, unless I'm making jokes about it. In which case, <laughs> have you seen the set? We make a lot of really terrible math puns. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that, yeah, that's gonna really... Unless y'all have anything else to say, I think that's gonna about do it for this episode.
1: No, yeah, I just... Uh, my overall thought on week four of Magic Story... Very good. Good stuff. Liked both of them. Good job, team.
2: (laughs) Agreed.
0: Uh, You can't see, but I just pumped my fist in the air, like at the end of Breakfast Club.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) We are old and dating ourselves. Well, okay,
0: (laughs) none of us are old enough to have seen Breakfast Club while we were in high school. This is true. That is a movie that is older than all of us. Yeah. I think.
2: Yes, this is true. Like, Jay's the oldest in the, on the podcast, and I'm barely younger than him. Just barely. Jay's on the podcast? Wow. Wow. Yep. Shade Throne. Yeah. He...
1: <laughs> I like John Hughes. The Breakfast Club came out in 1985. So, yeah. It's a little yep, older than I
0: wasn't age. born yet. <laughs> so final thoughts uh by the time you listen to this episode i will be playing new pokemon snap i'm very excited uh we had a discussion about this in final thoughts a couple weeks ago was it last week i don't remember when but i'm excited also we are rapidly approaching season nine of apex legends on uh tuesday i think that's when may 4th is uh which is also when uh bad batch First episode, I believe, comes out on uh, Disney Plus. The uh, sequel series to Clone Wars. So it's going to be a big day for nerds.
1: I mean, it's May the 4th. May the 4th be with you.
2: And also with you. (laughs) Uh, My nana was Catholic. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I grew up Lutheran, so. Uh, My final thought is that uh, the NFL draft is today, but... uh... There there's some craziness going on with the Green Bay Packers. It's making me very, very concerned, so
1: Oh yeah. You're a fan of the Green Bay Packers, aren't you?
2: Yes, I'm a huge fan of the Green Bay <laughs> Packers. But uh
1: Isn't like the star kinda... player saying that he doesn't want to return or something?
2: Yep, I'm kinda shook. How's that making you feel, Brian? <laughs> All sorts of shook. I um I I don't know what to do. Um, so I'm kind of lost. I'm hoping this can be resolved with some conversations and actions taken by both sides to remedy the situation but uh I, um yeah um i don't know anyway go ahead with yours because i'm not gonna say anything uh, coherent
0: <laughs> i i will withhold my football advice because it's going to be very caustic and gonna be a big yucking your yum uh i do not like the nfl so uh we'll leave it at that and <laughs> yeah uh,
2: I don't like I th- the NFL as a league specifically. I just like my team, and I can't really help that. <laughs> I say I feel like most football fans also don't like the NFL. Um, the NFL,
0: th- the NFL is a cabal of extraordinarily rich people profiteering on the physical and financial vulnerability of twenty-year-olds. But uh,
1: it's fine. If if any of them die, they just use the cabal patriarch's bidding and name football player.
2: Oh God. Oh. Not, anyways my final wrong. thought my final you, thought you is assume that... <laughs> the league cares
0: about the health of its players anyway final thought yeah because i my said i wasn't thought? gonna go into this yeah. is
1: that uh the new set for tft came out and it's really fun i've been having a lot of success with it um buy teemo just my piece of advice <laughs> it's worth it you're T- paying Teemo's in adorable. blood but it is worth oh yeah this teemo is great uh to buy that unit you have to pay with your life points you have to make a blood sacrifice to summon Timo.
0: <laughs> that's so
2: good. Captain Timo's <laughs> on duty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to be fair, it's, it's little devil Timo, uh, who is, uh, quite good and also quite evil.
0: That, that's good stuff. Uh, if you too would like to make a blood sacrifice, you can head over <laughs> to <laughs> patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast and, uh, support us starting today. Uh, you don't actually have to support with your blood, um, You actually, you literally cannot, uh, but you can support with the dollars uh, because that's how capitalism works.
1: Dollars are roughly equivalent to blood.
0: I could say a lot of nasty things about capitalism about tangent from the things I just said about the NFL, but we're not going to go into that uh, because we want to talk about our viewers who are wonderful. Viewers, Jesus Christ, uh, our listeners. (laughs) You don't see us. Um, (laughs) This is a mess. Y'all keep... Show running, and we love you for it. And for everyone who does support us on Patreon, we have a Discord server where Borthoses from around the world are enjoying Strixhaven as our story has wrapped up. And we're not terribly far off from Modern Horizons 2. So if you want to get into a community that cares about the things you care about, we are gonna, you know, for especially for Modern Horizons, we're gonna be psyched for old characters returning. Flavor throwbacks to planes from across the multiverse, exciting names and flavor text, fantastic art, that kind of stuff. That Discord is a place for you. So, uh, once again, thank you everyone for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.